Blog Talk Radio. to the balance this is saturday we do this thing called the balance every saturday morning we've got an abbreviated show one hour today uh as we uh, get geared up uh for another weekend of nascar and also coming up very soon next week right here in indianapolis march madness baby uh the entire march madness segment is played right here in Indianapolis underneath a quasi-bubble. The great thing about it is we've learned this week is they're going to be uh, fans are going to be allowed, so that's a step in the right uh, direction. And we're going to be talking NASCAR's out in Vegas uh, this week, and what happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. We're going to be talking with Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, and our official NASCAR contributor standing by in the balance green room. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Yeah, I'm going to take my the Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4-on-4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eye. 
we're moving. It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Time to get things rolling. Hope you got your cup of Black Rifle coffee. I tell you what, I do. It is the best coffee you can get. And the great thing about it is when you buy a bag, you give a bag. And it's it's so awesome. So if you buy a bag of coffee and you want to give to the Army, it gives it to the Army uh, or the Navy, the Air Force, whatever, uh, first responders. Um, it's a it's a great uh, cause. There's really no other coffee that I know that gives that matches 100% of what you buy. And it's it's really cool. Like I said before, I've got a friend that's in the Navy, and their son's deployed. And on the entire ship, that's what they serve is Black Rifle coffee. So you got to get you some Black Rifle coffee. It's good coffee. But talking racing with us now, uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Steve, have you uh, tried this Black Rifle coffee yet? No, I have not. Well, you got to do it, man. you got to do it. It's good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about what's going on out in Vegas. Obviously, John Hunter, name a check. I can't say his name. Check me on that. Um, pulled out a great win uh, last night in Vegas. Obviously, in Vegas, Vegas means it's a late night. Over Kyle Busch, putting him number one in the standings. Give us a recap of what happened out in the desert overnight. Yeah, John Hunter Nemechek, he seemed to be the strongest uh, truck all night long for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and, and finishing right behind him is uh, the namesake Kyle Busch himself. The funny thing about Kyle is he not only had to come from the back one time, but he had to come back from the back a second time, and this the second time he did it, he was a lap down, uh, and uh, he, he had a bit of a tire issue, spun the truck uh in in that issue, I uh, had to come pit road and put him lap down in that whole sequence. But uh, yeah, he, uh, you know, it's, you know, Kyle Busch doing Kyle Busch things out there. So 
you know, uh, uh, the only thing that we did see is we saw some really, really vicious wrecks last night, Connor Daly being one of them uh, that had an issue out there that slammed the wall in one and two. Danny Ball, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, Corey Roper, uh, an issue on the front stretch with a, with a really, really vicious wreck and Tyler Anklum also. Uh, so we saw some really vicious wrecks last night that tore these trucks up pretty badly. And, uh, you know, that, you know if you look back at Vegas, uh, you know, there's been some vicious wrecks over the years. But, I mean, last night it was uh, – I mean, the, in Connor Dudley's case, I mean, he's cooked and slammed the wall car uh truck caught on fire i mean that 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 vehicle was totally totally destroyed and in Corey roper's case uh you know that 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 truck became some compact pretty 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 quickly for him you know everybody was okay uh in all these racing incidents but still uh you know some vicious wrecks uh, at, at vegas last night yeah absolutely that track's known for its uh hard wrecks and i do you think a lot of that has to do with the desert climate that it's in well, you know, I know a lot of people last night they were having some tire issues in their trucks and uh, they they were wearing the tires down and some of the tires are coming across. I mean, coming coming uh uncorded and uh coming apart and uh you know, I, I think in each of these cases it, there was various different issues into it. I think Connor Dale's case, they talked uh, a little bit, you know, not only just, you know, uh, you know, the racing, you know, out there on that surface, but also talked a little bit about his inexperience uh, in these trucks. And when it comes to Corey Roper, uh, you know, both with Corey Roper and Tyler Anker, both of those, you know, they were they were involved with other incidents that, that caused them to get into the wall. But, you know, uh, we did see a lot of tire wear last night, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate, you know, that, you know, we, we go there and the tires are wearing down as bad as they did. Um, you know, and, the, you know, we're to, we're talking, you know, 10, 12, 15 laps into a, into a run, and we're already seeing cording in the tires. But, you know, I, I don't I, I don't I don't necessarily think that it's the heat out there, just the environment that we're in. Um, you know, in, in the three cases, they had three totally separate issues, which caused them um, to get into their wrecks. We want to get into this Xfinity race today, but first let's talk a little bit about some uh, breaking news that's coming out of uh, Bristol this week, and it looks like they're going to have a dirt race on, on the schedule coming up soon. What do we know about that? Yes, yeah, so NASCAR decided that, um, you know, well, NASCAR and SMI, uh, which owns Bristol, uh, looked into, uh, you know, they, they've been trying to, to shake the schedule up a little bit uh, over the last year or so. Uh, last year, um, you know, you know, prior to COVID, they they had, uh, you know, already decided that there was going to be some shakeups this year in uh, the 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 trucks. I mean, in the NASCAR series as a whole. So one of the things that they decided to do is go back to dirt, which is something that they haven't done since the nineteen. Uh, some, uh, somebody have to correct me on the year, but somewhere around the early 1960s or so, that last time we've run on dirt in the Cup Series, and last couple of years we've run at Tony Stewart's track, Eldora on the trucks. Uh, but, you know that 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 event has been moved over to Knoxville and. Uh, NASCAR, you know, expanding the schedule out to to some different types of racing to try and uh, you know uh, uh, get away from uh, a majority of the, of the races being on 1.5 mile tracks or uh, just just you know the same you know kind of the kind of same racing weekend and week out. So you know uh, this is one of the things that Bristol decided to do that they they did run a World of Outlaws race there about 15 18 years ago. 
Um, so this isn't the first time that dirt has been put on that surface at Bristol, but, you know, it, it's the first time that we're going to put cup cars out there, and the first time, like I said, and somebody will have to check me on that, but I believe uh, it's like sometime in the 1960s that, you know, the last time we ran on dirt in the Cup Series, and I, I do know that Richard Petty did win that race, and uh, if the the other aspect of that is, is that uh, it was... Uh, and I'll have to also fact check myself on this one, but it was at the old fairgrounds in North Carolina, so you know that uh, you know that that's kind of a uh, you know we we're going way back in time, you know since the last time the Cup Series is racing dirt. We're talking with Steve Wilson, SpeedwayDigest.com, and our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, Steve, where are we at with fans uh, returning to the stands with NASCAR? I know they're allowing some. I don't know what the percentage is this weekend, but are they gradually getting to more? Uh, uh, fans in the stands and we're seeing uh, certainly some mass uh, vaccines going. I'll probably get mine uh, this coming up week. Uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you may have uh, read, is uh, opened up as a, as a vac- uh, uh, mass vaccine center. And and uh, so the governor got his vaccine yesterday out there at IMS. It, it looks like all you have to do is you just drive through and get your vaccine. And I think, you know, for tracks like IMS and and, you know, Bristol and Talladega and all, all the major uh, NASCAR tracks, it looks like that this would be something that is on their agenda. What do we know about the return of uh, fans by the large masses uh, to the stands? Well, Las Vegas this weekend holds around 100,000 people out there in the grandstands. Um but they're only they're, they're limited to twelve thousand five hundred that they they can have for for each of the three races out there. So you know they they're still being very restrictive in in the fact of how many can come in. Uh, when they get to Phoenix next week, they they're going to allow fans in stands, and uh, I haven't heard a definite number yet. But you know it seems like most of the places we're going, uh, you know, on the low end. You know, at, at Vegas is about 10%. Some of the higher ends are, you know, like Daytona, they allowed uh, 35%. So, you know, there's kind of a little bit uh, of a gap in there depending on where we go. And a lot of this is really just, you know, local states and local health departments deciding on what is being allowed in. And, you know, some of these things are changing weekly, and some of these things, you know, we're we're finding out on a weekly basis. And, you know, with, with uh, Virginia, like in Martinsville, when we get up here to Martinsville in a couple weeks um you know mass out the uh, outdoor gatherings are still limited to a thousand people total so martinsville speedway uh, which holds about fifty-five thousand people is only going to have about a thousand people in the stands so you know these these there are they are moving in the right direction but you know it just again it depends on uh, the states and local health departments that you know what what they're allowing and you know texas has now opened back up and you know i should as you'd see that in the next couple of weeks that when, when Texas, we get to Texas at their 1.5 mile track. And, you know, definitely when we get to Coda in uh, a couple months from now, that uh, there, there may be a significant portion. I've, I've heard that there could be upwards of 30, about 35, 38,000 people at Coda. But, you know, again, these are all moving parts and pieces that, you know, are, are things that both local health departments and the state are working on to accommodate NASCAR to get fans back in. Well, as we were talking, uh, the, the Xfinity Series is in Vegas. So tonight's race, Matt Snyder has the, the pole uh, out there in, in Vegas. And we've got the um, – uh, I forgot the sponsor. I'm sorry, uh, uh, today. But uh, the Xfinity Series at Vegas. What say you, sir? 
Yeah, I mean, this 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 race is going to be run in the middle of the day, so you know it's going to be hot, it's going to be slick, and the track is, uh, you know, uh, again, I think after we saw what happened last night, it's going to be a significant amount of tire wear in these cars, not not just not just because of the issues that we saw last night with the track, but again, you know, as these tracks heat up, uh, you know, it causes you know the rubber on these tires to really just significantly lose, uh, you know, grip uh, on these tracks, which you know I'm fine with that. You know, the more tracks that we go to that we can slip and slide around uh, is better for the race fans because it it creates a better overall racing experience both just for the fans and you know drivers may dislike it but you know it's, you know it's good for the race fans um you know Xfinity series um this afternoon i mean it's uh, you know, you, you, you've got Austin Cendric, you know, just seems like, you know, when he comes to these 1.5-mile racetracks that he's finally started to get a, 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 his groove a little bit going in the right direction at these 1.5-mile tracks. And, uh, you know, I, I think with Penske's dominance in the Cup Series over the last couple of years at this track that, you know, it's kind of one of the things where, you know, they've kind of dialed these cars in, that they figured something out, that when they come there that they seem to be getting better and better all the time. So, you know, Definitely, I think if you look for somebody, look for Austin Cindric later on this afternoon. Well, and also, you know, Austin Cindric really, that would be a great uh, win for him out there. be his first time to win out there in Vegas, I believe. Also, you got to look at Jeb Burton uh, with with Collins uh, Racing, uh, maybe one of the top picks to make that happen as well. Uh, so, uh, so for the first time since 1982, NASCAR Series could see his third consecutive first-time winner in Vegas, and that could either be Jeb Burton or Austin Cindric. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean we we're we're seeing this, you know, this year. There seems to be a lot of uh, you know, drivers that we normally don't even talk about. And with Joe Burton, he's finally gotten an opportunity over at Colleague Racing. And if you look back over the last couple of weeks, they were strong at Homestead. They were strong at Daytona. So you know, it's it, that's a team that has progressively continued to get better. As and it's a team in the Xfinity Series that we talk about more often. Um, not just with Joe Burton himself, but with AJ Allmendinger coming back and running the series full-time in their cars but you know overall they they seem to be a dominant force when it comes to it comes to the series right now and uh you know with Jeb Burton he's a long uh long uh, uh you know career in racing and he's driven some uh not so great cars and he's now dri- driving some of the the top of the line cars and you know we we see them battling week in and week out over at college racing and doesn't matter who's up front they seem to be the ones that come to the top also and I think we'll even throw Justin Haley in on that one too um you know it, it, you know it, it's it's not i mean it's pretty typical at this point that week in and week out we're talking about uh you know at least one or two of those drivers up there fighting for fighting for the lead and uh you know i, I you know haley is one in the cup series and you know it's uh you know uh, you know he's he's come back he's excuse me he's in the expanding series um you know, racing for colleague, racing colleague now at this point. But you know, again, he he he, along with the others, AJ Allmendinger and Jeb Burton, are both um, getting. You know, they they seem to be the cream of the crop right now. So when we start, uh, you know, getting into this race, uh, you know, I think we'll be talking about at least one or two out of them because we seem to be talking about them every week. Let's talk a little bit about some of the penalties that we saw happen out in Miami last week. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing kind of a common denominator is the Lugna in, infraction. And, you know, Matt Kenseth and Martin Truex Jr., crew chiefs, uh, 
were both, I mean, were fined uh, $10,000 for the lug nut trend, uh, infraction. And we also saw that happen in about two or three teams uh, in the Xfinity series in, in, out there in Miami. What is this and why does it seem to be such a problem for the teams? <clears throat> Well, it won't be a problem for much longer when we get to the single lug nut in, in the new car next year. But you know, it's you know these these are teams. Um, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to play. You know, I'm not going to try and thought process what you know some of these teams are doing. But you know, it, when NASCAR went away and kind of you know told teams they can measure their or, you know measure the the amount of lug nuts that they were going to put on the car and how many they're going to hit in a pit stop. Uh, you know, it got to a point where it was dangerous, and NASCAR stepped in, and I and had to make some rules. Some of these teams have continued to skirt the rule with, uh, you know, only hitting like three or four of the lug nuts on their, uh, you know, what what they think is, is going to be their second to the last stop, but then ends up that the car, the 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 race ends up going green, and, and they come in, and at that point they only have three or four lug nuts on the car, you know, totally tightened down, you know, because they're trying to save a little bit of time. And I mean, while it's minuscule here and there, it it adds up at the end of the day, and you know, those are some of the things that teams have have tried to play with. <laughs> and tried to game the system just a little bit on. And, uh, you know, again, I, I don't know the thought process, and I don't – I'm not saying that that's what happened in these cases, but, you know, they, they're also – you know, they, these teams are trying to get everything they can out of these cars, and pit stops seem to be mattering more and more and more, and you're picking up four and five and eight spots on pit row, and just, you know, just by not hitting, you know, you got 20 lugs on the car, if you don't hit, you know, only hit 16 out of 20, I mean, you you may gain two or three spots, and then think, oh, well, we're coming back in later on for race, we'll be in better position at that point, we'll just go ahead, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll hit all the lugs at that point, and then, you know, it, the, it cycles through, and ends up going green, and then, you know, you get hit with the lug nut penalty, so, I think there's a lot of moving complex parts and pieces to this, uh, but you know we 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 don't have too much longer, and we won't be talking about this anymore. At least, hopefully. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. Okay, having mic issues. So let's go ahead and get into the race out. In Vegas for the uh, Monster Cup Series, uh, what say you? What are some of the thoughts to look for on that race? I looked at Joey Logano. Joe, again, Penske Racing has seemed to dominate this race over the last couple of years. Joey Logano winning, I believe, three of them over the last uh, about six years or so. So, you know, uh, for him... <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, for him, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna see and be talking about Joey Logano once again. Um, you know, I think we'll see some of our usual suspects up there. Martin Truex Jr., who again seems to like these 1.5 mile races up there, uh, but but don't count out. I mean, you know, we've we've seen Christopher Bell. Uh, we've seen uh, Michael Michael McDowell uh, go to go to Victory Lane this year. Uh, we saw uh, uh, William Byron last week. So, you know, we're we're not talking about you know some of the. 
some of the ones that we normally talk about. And, I, you know, I, I again, don't count out some of these guys. They seem to be getting, you know, seem to be doing better. And I, and especially like Michael McDowell, uh, this is the first time that, you know, Front Row Motorsports, um, not only just it, talking about just winning the Daytona 500 in general, but Michael McDowell has been in the top 10 all week, all three weeks that we've raced. So uh, both at day, both Daytonas and at Homestead last week. He was able to battle last week, uh, uh, you know, for some of the top three, top five positions up there. And it seems like that team, I don't know what they're doing over there, but they seem to, like, come into this year, and it seems to be totally, totally different for them, uh, just, you know, in, in competition-wise. Um, so, so while I don't, I don't think we'll necessarily see Michael McDowell win. Um, they seem to be figuring something out that you know they're able to get there in the top ten and uh, stay up there each and every week. So don't count him out up there for a good finishing position. Talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, Steve, as, as we talk about this track out in Vegas, talk with us a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the things that teams have to do to prepare for this track. It's, Obviously, it's at a different elevation. It's in the desert. A lot of different variables that teams have to to prepare for uh, for a team in uh, for a race in Vegas. Well, the good thing is, is that right now it's not. I mean, it is. It is. It is going to be hot out there, but it's not as hot as it is when we when we come back later on in the year. So, you know, they did get a little bit of reprieve on that. So, you know, it changes the handling on these cars significantly between the two races. Uh, while you, there is going to be tire wear, while there is going to be slipping and sliding around, it's nowhere as as significant as it is when we come back later in the year in September. I mean, it's very very hot out there. I mean, you, you know, some of these cars are reaching. Uh, 140 to 150 degrees inside of these cars, so you can just imagine uh, the environmental issues that they're that they're having to compound that with, you know, on the racetrack. So, uh, you know, setting these cars up uh, to run in the cooler weather, um, you know, and also not not just that, but you know, this race is going to again start in the day and get into the to the early early evening. While the sun isn't going to go down, uh, you know, the the track is going to start cooling. They're going to start picking up the grip in the, in these uh, in these cars. And you know, as the race goes on, uh, you know that that grip factor in the cars is also going to start leading to uh, potential uh, you know a tire wear issue later on in the race. So, uh, you know, I I think as we as we saw in the truck series, I think we'll start seeing some of the same issues again um and and i and also i think you know if if we're seeing this in the truck series i think that maybe you know hopefully good year engineers are taking a look at this and seeing exactly what's going on i know somebody had said last night that you know there could be a, be a potential camper issue in the way that they're setting these uh trucks up and you know maybe the other teams will be looking at that camper over the next part of the weekend but you know uh you know that's just one aspect of this and you know vegas is a track that's starting to age it's starting to get uh you know a, a little bit more coarse so it's starting to wear these tires down a little bit more um and especially you know sitting out there in that vegas sun uh all year long it really starts uh the Deteriorate the surface, so you know that leads to the tire issues that we're also seeing. So again, hopefully, uh, Goodyear engineers are taking a look at this. But you know that that's something. To make sure that you know we're factoring that in uh, in the race tomorrow. Is the tires that could be potentially an issue? Talking with Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. As we as we go in tomorrow's race, we look at Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Michael McDowell, Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell. 
Kyle Larson, Martin Truex Jr., and Brad Koloski all rounding out the top ten. What say you on the top ten in the standings as we roll into Vegas tomorrow? Yeah, again, I, I'm I'm pretty you know I'm pretty impressed with uh, with Michael McDowell and what he's done this year. Not just like again, as I said earlier, winning the Daytona 500, but being in the top ten uh, and fighting and fighting for those top three, top fives each week. Um, Christopher Bell, obviously, you, there's been a change, you know, with him coming from uh, Levon Family Racing this year to now being at um, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. So. Uh, you know, for him, uh, you know, we're seeing a performance pickup just because of the quality of cars, the engineering and things that come along with being at Joe Gibbs Racing. So so with him, you know, not only just winning at the, uh, the road course, but also seeing, uh, you know, performance uh, coming up. You know, for him. Now, then we start getting talking about the usual suspects, the uh, the Kyle Bushes and the uh, Kevin Harvicks of the world. That you know, as the season just starts to dredge along and get into the to the spring and summer, and then closer to uh, championships uh, in the later part of the year. Uh, you know, these these guys like the Kevin uh, Kevin Harvicks of the world are 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 going to be the ones that we're going to start talking about more and more and. Uh, you know, I think right now we have a pretty diverse top ten as far as uh, drivers between uh, veterans and some of the newer, uh, not only just rookie drivers, but drivers that you know have uh, been in series uh, for a limited number of years. And it's good to see that we've mixed in it up a little bit. But you know, again, as we see the 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 uh, season drive on we'll see some significant changes in that. And especially, you know, we'll see that in the more veterans that are up there in that top 10 right now, maintain their positions or even pick up positions while, uh, you know, without uh, some, some continuing progress or continuing, uh, you know, wins uh, on the rookie sides and uh, the Christopher bills and uh, of the world that, you know, we'll, uh, we'll start, we'll start seeing them slide down a little bit as, as the season kind of goes on. We've been talking with Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Uh, certainly make sure you follow him for today's races uh, out in Vegas and tomorrow's race out in Vegas as well. Steve, where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? They can follow us on, at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest, SpeedwayDigest.com. All right, thanks, buddy. Have yourself a good weekend, sir. Thank you, too. Take care. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest joins us. We'll be back here in just a moment to be talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. We're going to be breaking down March Madness. The selection Sunday is just around the corner next week. We're going to be talking about some of the predictions and get your brackets in. And also we'll have our official balance bracket out as soon as the brackets come out on Selection Sunday. So be ready to to join in as we've only got a limited amount of bra- uh, brackets that we can give out. Uh, but uh, certainly give us a call, 917-889-8516. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove.
National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my God, it talks! Run! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Oh, It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists, do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and yeah, roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Digest joining us, talking with us about the, the, the race out in Vegas last night and today and then tomorrow. Joining us now, though, is Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, I know you love racing. Did you stay up and catch that great win from John uh, Namacek yesterday over the 
Master of the King, Kyle Busch. Yeah, I mean, it was an entertaining race, but it was cool that, um, you know, Marcus Limonis had, had his Camping World sponsorship on, what, 10 trucks last night, which was which mm-hmm. was something that kind of built up throughout the week on social media and made you want to watch. And then you throw an IndyCar guy in there like Connor Daly, and then you get Kyle Busch in there. Uh, yeah, John Hunter Nemechek had the best truck all night, but, you know, that last restart, you got to hold off the boss and prove to him why you're in that truck. And, and uh, you saw it in the post-race interview how emotional he was and how excited he was uh, to get that victory. So, uh was a really good race, and it kind of set you set you up for a, a really good weekend the rest of the weekend in Vegas. Yeah, I couldn't survive in Vegas because I couldn't stay up that late. But uh, you know, Vegas is a city that never sleeps. I've been there before, and I didn't sleep when when I went. Uh, let's get, we'll get into the the, the uh, March Madness, which right around the corner, going to be held in in its entire here here in Indianapolis started as a, as a bubble, uh, but now they're going to be allowing some fans into the stands. We'll get into that in just a minute. But I, what I thought yesterday was a huge uh, thing for as far as mass vaccines going on out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We saw the governor out there. Uh, and it looks like it's just kind of a drive-up uh, type process, and it looks like they're opening up vaccines to more and more people. I'm planning on getting mine uh, next week. So what does this mean for not only Indianapolis Motor Speedway, but for sports in general, now that we're starting to see these mass vaccine centers get set up across the country? Are we going to see more and more fans return to the stand soon? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's a, it's obviously going in the right direction. And, um, you know, when I talked, you know, I had somebody talk to the ticket office earlier this week about the 500, and, and, and they have plans to be full go, which you kind of have to plan for that because you don't want to be caught off guard. Now, you're not going to hear any, any plans or you're not going to hear any um, indefinite um, confirmation until after the NCAA tournament. Make sure that that's not a super spreader event, which, you know, more and more states are opening up. Florida, Virginia, Texas are open. We didn't see the real real spreading of the virus during the Super Bowl. So I think this means that we could see uh, a lot of fans at the Indianapolis 500. Now, them saying that they want a full house compared to the people that are actually going to go or make their way to the track is a different thing. But but if, if you're asking me right now, I, I think you'll see 60 to 70 percent uh, in the stands at the 500 come May. Right, well, as we're getting ready to start March Madness, the brackets are going to be coming up next week. The, the uh, selection Sunday is next week. Who's going to be the winners and losers uh, as far as the uh, you would think Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor would be uh, would be right there at the very top uh, uh, as far as winners go on Selection Sunday. Uh, but uh, who do you think might be some of the uh, teams on the bubble? Are we talking about Indiana yet again not making the tournament? Are we having that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that they're – they're definitely not in the first four in, and I don't think they're in the first four out. They're in that second tier of teams that um, – you know, are going to get in. So I don't see IU getting in. Obviously, a, a win today over over Purdue, who's a tournament team, would go a long way, but I just don't see it. It looks like um, Duke could be in trouble. Kentucky's not going to make it. Um, there are some teams that have a lot of work to do in their conferences. Um, and, and, and we'll see. We'll see where the bid stealers are. I mean, you've got, you've got the Missouri Valley going down to the semifinals today with Indiana State who is battling for their coach, who it was announced, or has been announced but rumored that he's going to be leaving the program for a new coach. So, you know, if Loyola loses to Indiana State, well, that takes an automatic bit away from another power conference school. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're Indiana, you want, to see, you want to see the teams that need to win their conferences that are a one- or two-bid league not become a two- or three-bid league 
you want to see, you know, everything kind of go as planned. Um, and therefore that could, that could put Indiana in, but I think there is just way too much work to be done. Barring winning out and going to the championship game of the big 10 tournament. I don't see any way IU gets in. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about what we do know now that, that uh, there are going to be some fans allowed in the stands. How's that going to be decided? And who gets to, to to get tickets, and how does that happen? Obviously, you would think that uh, students, families, and that sort of stuff would be the first in line to get yeah. tickets. How are they going to decide who gets tickets inside of this bubble here in Indianapolis? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they talked about 25% capacity for fans. Now, of that 25%, how many of those of that 25% is going to go to teams and family? You know, there's a lot of kids that, that they don't know if they're playing in their last game every time they go on the court. One, because it's the tournament, and if you lose, you're done. And two, um, you know, because you can come back to your senior year, but you got a lot of guys that maybe want to go to the NBA, go to the G League, go overseas. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with the fan-wise. But I think for, for uh, the, the normal average Joes like you and I, Tom, it's going to cost a pretty penny just to get in. And in the past, if you've bought tickets to the NCAA tournament, you normally bought it for like a morning session, so maybe a 12-10 and a 2.55 tip-off. Um, you're not going to be able to do that. You're only going to be able to buy a ticket for one game because they're going to have to come in, clean everything, um, move everything around, and, um, you know, you know, sanitize like, like, like we know they're going to have to do. So it's going to be a pretty penny to go see just maybe one game. As we look at the projected number one seed, let's break these down. Obviously, one of the most exciting teams to watch, especially if you like to stay up late and watch basketball out on the West Coast, and that's Gonzaga. Gonzaga, obviously, surely going to be one of the first four in, but certainly one of the most exciting teams to watch uh, this season. What are your thoughts about them and, and how they go into the tournament? Because as we know, they call it madness for a reason, and there's bound to be an upset somewhere always on that first uh, Thursday of play. We just don't know where it's at. And we got to see where the projections lay out, where we can use the, the history of, of things. But certainly Gonzaga, you got to look at as, as a great team to, to look at in the uh, bracket. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing every year with Gonzaga. It's okay, we know that they're good, and they run through the West Coast Conference, which, you know, beating Santa Clara and Pepperdine and Pacific and St. Mary's is great. But, but how can you perform on a national stage? And, and for years there it was – you know, they would flame out. Then they get to the Final Four in the National Championship game four years ago. This Gonzaga team, I think, is better than any Gonzaga team we've ever seen, which is which is saying something if you think about the teams with Demonis Sabonis and, and, and you know, even even back to the mid-2000s when they had when they had Morris. Um, but I think this is the best Gonzaga team we've seen, and I think they're right there for the Final Four. Baylor's right there, although Baylor struggled. You know, Baylor was shut down for, for two weeks because of COVID. They lose to Kansas. They opened up hot against West Virginia two nights ago, ended up winning that game in overtime. Um, you know, Houston's a tough team. Michigan is playing their best basketball. They get one more game to, coming up tomorrow against Michigan State, a team that they blew out on Thursday. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams up top that I think have a chance to make it. Illinois is really good. They've got an awesome game today against Ohio State. It's probably the best game of the day. Ohio State's a team that's right there. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be seven to eight teams that have a chance to uh, – to make it to the national championship game. And I think there's 10 to 12 that have a chance to make it to the final four. So, you know, I, I agree with what you say about Baylor. I mean, they had that loss. They had the first loss of the season. I mean, I think it's the, the Bears' uh, uh, season to, to uh, decide on whether or not they're going to be a number one seed. 
I mean, I think the only way that, that anything would get hurt is if they lose out or, you know, lose in the Big 12 uh, championship. And, you know, we talk about uh, uh, Michigan and Illinois, both Big 10 teams. Uh, you look at Illinois having a record of 8-5, and five, and I think a lot of people kind of scratch their heads as how the Big 10 a- is able to have a number two, uh, potentially a number two and a number four pick, Michigan and Illinois, uh, inside of that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of these divisions and let's talk we'll start with the big 10 and how what do you think their showing is going to be here in march obviously you look at ohio state's going to be in as well we don't doesn't look good for indiana but we're going to keep our fingers crossed certainly purdue as you mentioned as well uh what are your thoughts on the big 10 in the in the in the uh, tournament well you've got you know the, the 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 top core which is as you mentioned michigan ohio state you could throw wisconsin in there illinois and iowa Iowa's really good. They, you know, they've kind of struggled lately, but they were a top five team for most of the season. Um, you know, I think you've got the top five of, of, of the upper side of the Big Ten, and then you've got teams like Michigan State and Maryland and IU battling to get in. We know Purdue is going to be in, um, but we, you know, you, you've got teams like I mean, Rutgers is Ron Harper Jr. That's a pesky team. They can go out and beat anybody any given night. So um, you're, you've got like two races going on in the Big Ten. You've got you've got the teams that are up top battling for possibly number one, number two seed. Then you've got the IUs and the Michigan States and the Maryland's and the Rutgers of the world that are, that are battling for their lives that know that they have to win to get in. Um, and then you've got a team like Minnesota, who has been decent at home this year. Not, they haven't won on the road, um, but, but, but they could be battling for their coach's job as well. So, um, you know, there's, there's nine or ten teams that maybe even 11 in this Big Ten tournament where it's must, it's must win for them. So what what are some of the teams that you think will will that we'd look at as being as our typical Cinderella team? Well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say Houston's a Cinderella team, but they don't come out of a Power Five conference, so that's a team that I could see um, making some noise. Uh, as far as first round goes, you know, we'll see what happens today down in Evansville at the Ohio Valley Conference tournament. Belmont's a really good team. They take on a Moorhead State team that late last night went deep with Eastern Kentucky. Um, I'll give you a Belmont. I'll give you a team like Winthrop, who's pretty good. Uh, if Colorado State, uh, even though they lost a close one last night, if they can win the, their conference tournament, they can make some noise. Um, out of the Pac-12, you know, a lot of people don't give Pac-12 respect, but I could see a team like Colorado, the Buffaloes, uh, led by McKinley Wright, who's their senior leader, um, who was going to go to Dayton under Archie Miller, and then Archie went to IU, so he transferred to Colorado. He's a dude that can play and can play on the next level. Um, so, so, so there's some upset, you know, possible Sweet 16 teams for you in Belmont, Winthrop, Colorado State. Colorado, um, I think, is, is, is one of those teams as well. Uh, and then if you want to put Houston in that group, because they do kind of fly under the radar in the American Conference, I think they're a team that can make some noise coming out this month. Yeah, you think that Houston would certainly be a number two seed, possibly even a number three seed. But right now you look at the number three seeds possibly, and logically anyway, could be West Virginia, Villanova, Kansas, and Florida State. What do you think about that of being uh, the the projected three seed? Well, the thing with Villanova right now is you've lost your senior leader. He tore his ACL on Thursday night in that win over Creighton um, and Colin Gillespie, and that's the guy that, you know, we saw Butler, we saw Butler kind of roll over Villanova last week at Hinkle. Gillespie's that guy that can go get you that bucket, that can go get you, that can calm the pace down, that can change the pace into your favor. So um, Villanova is a team that I, I think will continue to fall. They're still a good team, 
Um, but they go from being an Elite 18 to it's going to be tough for them to even get into the Sweet 16 that they're going to be a four or a five seed. So um, I like Florida State. The ACC's kind of been down this year, so we'll see how they do um, on the big stage. Um, but, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Villanova now that they've lost their number one guy. We'll talk a little bit about the projected four seeds and Arkansas. You know, Arkansas's done a lot. They've, they've uh, certainly been knocking uh, knocking down some doors as far as trying to get a, a nice tournament bid. You look at Arkansas, Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas uh, for projected four seeds. Yeah, I mean, Texas, is, it's, it's real interesting. They've been up in the top five at times under Shaka Smart. Um, they've been a team that, you know, has been able to beat some of the bigger teams like Kansas and taking Baylor to the wire. But that 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 uh, that Big 12 tournament is going to be interesting. You've got Texas Tech in a play-in game. They're certainly a tournament team. You've got Baylor. You've got a hungry Kansas team that just knocked off Baylor last Saturday but then struggled three nights ago against uh, UTEP at home. Um, so that's going to be an interesting race as well. You've got teams like USC that are right there. As you mentioned, Arkansas and the SEC. Uh, SEC's pretty good this year. Florida's shown that they can play. Missouri's been a really good team. Um, Auburn has been in contention. Alabama has been in the top ten. So uh, that's going to be – the SEC tournament's going to be another interesting one to watch. Let's look at that projected number five seeds. We look at possibly Oklahoma, Purdue, Texas Tech, and Florida in that uh, certainly uh, certainly the Oklahoma Sooners are, are fun to watch, and I certainly feel like that they'll make it into the tournament in this uh, uh, projected number five seeds. But certainly Purdue, Texas, as, as you mentioned, Purdue has IU today. IU beats Purdue that – that does speak volumes for, for IU. Uh, so how, certainly how big of a game is that uh, Purdue-IU game as far as Purdue getting into that projected uh, five-seed uh, column there? Yeah, I think Purdue is a five-seed unless they run through the Big Twelve or the Big Ten tournament and, 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 and win the championship of the tournament, which I don't see happening. There's just too many, too many tough teams like Wisconsin, Iowa, Ohio State, and Michigan. Um, so I think that they're going to stay right there on that five seed. We'll see what kind of 12 seed they get. Will they get a 12 seed like a Belmont or, or a smaller school? Or will they get that 12 seeded team that, um, you know, just played the playing game two nights before, which may cause for tired legs. Obviously the travel is not going to be as, as difficult as it's been in the past because you'd go from Dayton to anywhere in the country. Um, but certainly uh, it'll be interesting to see with Purdue. Um, Florida's a good team, as we already talked about. Texas Tech is right there as well. But, but, but for Purdue, just win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament. I, I wouldn't expect them to win that. But, you know, we'll see what Purdue draw gets as far as will they be that 12 – will they be that five seed that gets a 12 seed that's like a Belmont or a Winthrop, or will they get that number 12 seed that's maybe a play-in game that could be, you know, somebody who's in a, in a power conference that's right on the bubble. You know, a lot of times it's real easy to predict those one, two, three, and four seeds. But when you start getting into the five and six and, and then uh, forwards, you start kind of learning and leaning on the luck of the computer. And these teams have to become friends of the computer. And a lot of these teams are going to be on the bubble. Creighton, Colorado uh, is certainly uh, has had a great opportunity to make a friend with the computer, if you will. They, they beat, uh, they've had some good wins uh, against uh, USC and UCLA. Clemson and Tennessee, if we were to kind of look at what the computer looks at and kind of figure that out, we would probably come up with Creighton, Colorado, Clemson, and Tennessee to be uh, the number six seeds. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, as we already talked about, is a really good team. Tennessee has played up and down. You know, there's been games where they look like they could be a top five team, and then they go to Kentucky or Vanderbilt and seem to struggle. So, 
Um, you know, it just depends on how you can play on the road. What the computer doesn't see is the eye test. And I know like Colorado, even though they're in the Pac-12 and they don't get to play as many quad one or quad two games as other teams, that's a really good team that I think can compete as on the eight, you know, on the six, seven or eight seed line and, and take a two seed or a one seed to the brink. So um, I already talked about this time. I really like Colorado. We'll see what they can do coming up in the Pac-12 tournament in Vegas. Well, you look at computer metrics, again, going back to the Big Ten, Wisconsin, uh, computer metrics are pretty solid. As always, they have a handful of solid victories. Uh, but the, the Badgers this year really lack a signature win in the Big Ten Conference and lots of signature win opportunities. you think that's going to hurt them in this uh, struggle to become a number seven seed? I mean, I think with Wisconsin, they are who they are. You know, they're not going to have any sexy wins. They're not going to. They're not going to beat teams down. They're not going to. They're not going to look pretty. But it, it's a very tough Big Ten, as we talked about. Big Ten is the best conference. They can get as many as nine to ten teams in, and, and again from the top to the bottom. So I think the committee will look at Wisconsin and say, okay, they've got some good wins. They're a good team uh, moving forward. How will they do in the tournament? You know, I don't think that they're. You're not going to put a. You're not going to put a team like Wisconsin who's been ranked in the top twenty-five most of the season anything lower than a seven seed. So we look at the. One seventh seed team that I think is really going to be struggling to hang on, and that's Virginia Tech. They're only two and two against uh, Q3, I mean, quad three uh, teams. What are your thoughts about Virginia Tech? Yeah, I mean, Virginia Tech is, is, is again, the ACC's just been down. And, and outside of Florida State, who's really impressed you, I mean, even Virginia's gotten blown out by 30 points um, this year. You know, Notre Dame hasn't been where they were. North Carolina hasn't been as great as they've been. Duke hasn't been as great as they've been. Um, you know, Georgia Tech's been okay, but they're right on the bubble, too, as, you know, they, they've got some good wins, but some early bad losses. So, um, I just haven't been impressed with, with with really anything out of the ACC. Louisville's kind of kind of a bubble team, too. Um, Pittsburgh hasn't been that great. Boston College, not very good. So, um, just haven't been really impressed with the ACC. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, number eight seeds, and that's UCLA, Oregon, BYU, and, and San Diego State. Certainly, San Diego State. State has that tied atop the Mountain West in the loss column, and Boise State and Colorado State with three losses each. Uh, but the Aztecs knocked off one of those teams, the Broncos, out of the conversation with the sweep at home last week. What are your thoughts about the number eight seeds being UCLA, Oregon, BYU, and San Diego State? Yeah, I mean, those are all just those, you know, BYU, San Diego State, those those West Coast teams that, you know, you got to stay up, and I know you don't. you got to stay up till 10 or 11 o'clock just to see them play. So, um, right. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. Um, you know, 8-9 eight, eight, seed, you know, it's always one of the better games. You know, the, one of the, it's probably the four best games of the day because it's, it's, it's evenly matched teams as you get. Yeah, I mean, it's probably more exciting to see a 14 seed take a three seed to the brink, but those 8-9 games are really tough, and, BYU is a good team. Um, San Diego State has been up and down um, again. But you look at just, you know, that, that conference with San Diego State, you know, UNLV's played okay. As I mentioned, Colorado State's right on the bubble. So um, you've got some good teams in that conference that are trying to make it through. And, and you know, if we get to see BYU, we get to see old Purdue's uh, Matt Harms, you know, messing with his hair a little bit. So we look at these uh, projected number nine seeds, Louisville, LSU, Maryland, and Loyola, Chicago. And we remember talking about them a few years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, and they get a tough one today with Indiana State. You know, Indiana State's a team that has proven that they can play with anybody in that conference. They've proven that they can. Um, Tyree Key is, is is one of the best scorers in the country. Um, I think he he's top five in scoring in the country. So, 
Um, Loyola is a team that needs to win the ter- their conference tournament to allow a team like IU to get in because if Loyola loses, they're going to steal another automatic bid. And Drake, who is the second-best team in the conference, who's been ranked inside of the top 25 most of the year, has lost their two best players, but they're hungry to win. So, um, you know, it, it, Indiana's very long shot. The Hoosiers' very long shot to make the tournament kind of starts today. And if Loyola can take care of business this weekend and making the um, Missouri Valley Conference just a one-bid league. If IU does not make the tournament, is Archie Miller need to send out his resumes? Yeah, I think he's done. I think you start calling guys like Dane Fife. You call guys like Steve Alford that have this experience. You're looking for probably an IU guy um, to make the replacement. I don't think, um, you know, you can go after like a DeVries, that Drake, who might be the sexy pick. But I think if you're going to bring a new coach into IU, he needs to be an IU guy. You know, I totally agree with that. I've always been a fan of, of hiring the IU guys, the Dane Fires and the Steve Alfords. And, you know, I've always been a fan of Steve Alford as a player and as a coach. But they've had multiple opportunities to talk to Steve Alford about the position. And one or two things have happened. Steve Alford expressed that he didn't have any interest to, to coach at IU. And IU has also didn't show that they really had much interest in Steve Alford. What would, what would change this time around? Yeah, I think it's just the timing of it. You know, you're not going to leave UCLA to come back to your alma mater at IU, and that's where Alford was, you know, when, when he had that chance to, to come here. And obviously it didn't work out for him at UCLA, and he ends up in Nevada. But you're not going to stay, you're not going to stay at Nevada um, and give up going to IU. So uh, just the timing's there. Um, and you got to buy somebody out. you got to buy him out. And it's going to be expensive to buy him out. But um, at the end of the day, I think it could be done. And, and then you go get an IU guy to be your next head coach. Well, I would love to see Steve Alford here. That is absolutely for sure. Tony Donna here at the Tony D Podcast for joining us, helping us uh, break things down. Next week, we'll really dive deep into this uh, Selection Sunday's uh, thoughts and, and, and conversations as well. Uh, Tony, we're, we're both right here in Indianapolis, but would you say that fans should make the trip to Indianapolis, uh, enjoy the downtown life? Uh, certainly, we've got a lot of uh, bar, sports bars and bars and a lot of great restaurants here in Indianapolis. I would encourage people to come to Indianapolis, even if you're not guaranteed a ticket. But at the same time, where is this bubble? Uh, where are the locations that, that the teams will be playing at? And how is this kind of orchestrated at and uh, as far as that goes as well? Yeah, I mean, you, you, everything's just going to be right downtown in the bubble once they get into Indy. Um, you know, you've got games in Bloomington. you got games, playing games in West Lafayette. But – you know, the teams are going to be stationed at the JW Marriott and the Marriott hotels. And, you know, they're going to be tested every day, but there's going to be plenty of bars that are going to be open downtown. Hopefully the weather, as we've seen the last couple of days, uh, will be good for people to go out and have a good time. We saw Mayor Hogsett, you know, say, hey, there can be more, you know, you can, be, you can have more seating, you can have bar seating, you can have outdoor seating. So um, looking forward to it. But uh, thanks for having me on this morning, Tom. Got to run here uh, at Tony D on Twitter. You and I will talk next week. All right, buddy. Talk with you soon. Tony D. Donahue, the Tony D. Podcast, joining us to help us break down the brackets coming up next week. March Madness is here. Make sure that you get your bracket. We'll have it ours loaded up and ready to go just as soon as the, the brackets are available. And so it will. Uh, we've only got a limited amount, so we'll get that up on social media as well. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. Uh, make sure that you follow us on the, the balance. Um, 
at T Balance on Twitter and the Balance on Facebook. And uh, come uh, and, and and favorite us if you're listening to us on on a uh, podcast, just go ahead and hit subscribe. Now you can find us wherever you find your uh, favorite uh, podcast. And also the great thing about it is our show is the podcast. So it's real easy to do and subscribe to it. Remember to have a great weekend. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm I'm Tom Marcus. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.